and welcome to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast, our Harold Camping Religion Special. Does that sum it up? Well, we could just go with the title I'd put, The Insanity and Harm of Judgment Day okay. Predictions, but yeah. we do go a lot into detail on that. Yeah, we, it went a little bit further than your initial... Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, we, which we, was good. Yeah, which was good. This was is basically um, was supposed to be part of it, or Podcast 035, but it went so long that... Um, we decided, hey, let's branch it off and do it as its own podcast. Yeah, so uh, myself, Brian, Ian, and Kimberly. Kimberly stayed with us to do the Harold Camping special. And we would go through and we, uh, we, we addressed a little bit of Harold Camping. But it went a little bit deeper and a little bit further than I um, had expected it to go to. Uh, right, actually, we was, had some good discussions here. Yeah. You know, we went into a lot about the mentality of um, re- followers and stuff and you know what's going on in the heads. So yeah, I think we had some good stuff in it. So I hope they enjoy it. Yeah, I hope so too. I think we had a good time doing it, and like I say, it, it went in a direction that I didn't expect. So I think it really made a really nice special. It was it's more than just Harold camping, so you don't have to worry about yeah. uh, worry about that. <laughs> yes, we don't talk about Harold camping for an hour. We no. do have other things in there. But well, you know, definitely we went in weird directions. It is related. It is all you know, looking at certain things. So yeah. So enjoy. Do should, should we talk about Harold camping? Uh yeah okay. okay well so let me play this I'm going real to read, no read well, the title of what okay. I came up with for the segment okay go ahead because okay the, the this next segment I have titled the insanity and harm of Judgment Day predictions ooh okay so here here it comes there's going to be a great earthquake such as never been it'll be so great that all the tombs everywhere in the world are going to be thrown open that's going to require a granddaddy earthquake. Wow. That was a horrible day. Yes. And, you know, wow. That was, it was just insane, those earthquakes we all suffered through as all the um, holy ones were raptured off into heaven. <laughs> so the, I guess the, the idea of the earthquake is that it's supposed to throw open all the tombs and all the graves so that uh, so that the, they can be released to, to go to heaven because right now everybody is in limbo. Um, nobody has gone to heaven yet because the, the gates haven't been opened yet. And I guess that that's primarily a Catholic viewpoint. Um, um, the limbo thing, yeah. Yeah, um, but and other um, people say, you know, which group you're with, some believe that heaven's active, some don't. It, right. It, it's all a bit funky. There's stuff in the Bible that you could use to say that actually the devil's not in hell yet because hell's not open. He's in limbo with all the demons and stuff, and or he's on Earth. Where you know, and when everything happens, that's when hell will be open, and he'll be tossed into it. Right. Well, and so other people say you don't win. That, that uh, kind of makes sense because it's the anticipation that's always the worst part, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> the waiting. Well, other people have said that um, that when Jesus returned, he opened the gates of heaven, or when he came, when Jesus came to Earth, he he opened the gates of heaven. Also, opened the gates to hell at the same time. So yeah, so there's some there's a there's a bunch of different viewpoints on this. So Harold Camping, of course, and we've we have beat this to death. But so but the the interesting part about this is that what were the repercussions? Yeah. And so you know, reading online, there has been um, people giving away all their money. Uh, so there there we watched. Um, what, what was that Nightline that we watched? I believe it was Nightline. Yeah. Okay, we watched a Nightline and showed just how all these people that gave up their jobs and their families mm-hmm. to go um, travel the United States to to let everybody know about the coming apocalypse. Well, the first article we have here is um, "Make My Bed," but you said the world's ending, and it was it actually came out before um, it came out on May nineteenth, two days before the supposable rapture. 
in Judgment Day. And it went through a family where you have mother, father, and three kids. Well, the mother and father believed in the family radio crap. And the three kids were saying, like, no, um, you know, we have a life ahead of us. Could you, like, you know, focus on our lives and make sure we have a future? And the parents instead went off and um, they stopped working on the house and stopped saving for college. And, you know, basically neglected their family life because it was more important to spread the word of um, Judgment Day. And the kids are saying, you know, it was upsetting. And they couldn't believe their parents actually were believing this. Right. And you look at it, and that wasn't an uncommon thing. You know, people that really got into this kind of said, screw you to my life, and focused on just the whole Judgment Day thing. Yeah, I heard a story about a gentleman who gave away, uh, you know, his his whole retirement and all his money because, you know, he wasn't going to be here. Which, I I don't know, some of that stuff just does not make sense to me because if the world is going to end, what's the point in giving your money away anyway? Oh, no. I guess, but I guess, but I asked, and Jen said to me, she, uh, my wife says, well, it, it's it's an issue of, of faith, you know, it, you you have to actually have faith in this, you know, it's 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 showing faith by by doing those things that um, that they that they went and gave away everything. So I, I guess I, I I I don't understand it, but I guess I see it. I guess I understand. I just I can't see doing it. Yeah, well, it's a really strong blind faith to to say, hey, listen, I, I really do believe in all this. I'm going to give up everything, even to the point of um, straight out neglecting my children, neglecting people who really care for me just because I have decided that, um, you know, I believe the end of the world is coming. Right. So yeah. there were some key things that Harold Camping said, though, before this happened. Um, Nightline, or I think it was Nightline, another – somebody had asked him, so – if this doesn't happen, can we uh, can we get another interview with you? You know, the day after, you know, the day after. Well, no, and he well, said, the, the, "I won't even answer your remember, question." The quote we liked was, Re- they "Well, said, yeah, um, this was." They asked if he was a false prophet. Well, they said, "Yeah." So the guy read the um, read Matthew uh, Matthew seven fifteen. Uh, Beware of false prophets who come in sheep's clothing, but inward a raving inwardly a raving wolf. Um, by their fruits they shall know them. Do men gather grapes of thorns, figs of thistles? And it goes on, you know, but basically, and they said, now, if this doesn't happen, are you a false prophet? And he says, I'm not even going to answer that. It's going to happen. Yeah. And I, I honestly believe he really did believe it was going to happen. So the, you, know, you, you look at his interviews and stuff, I, he really did seem to believe that. He, he really was that into it. Yeah, and so... After it happened, the first thing is he 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 doesn't really say much. You know, he's trying to figure it out. He goes yeah, and the hides. The first day, in, yeah. he he had like one line that was, "I don't want to talk about it. It's very upsetting. We'll get back to you." And he goes and, and he hides in a hotel room to to keep away from the media. Finally, he came out and he said, "The rapture happened. It was a spiritual happening. Right now, the Earth is in a period of judgment, and on August twenty first, it ends." And supposedly they, they can stop doing the campaign because everyone who's going to be saved has already been determined they're going to be saved. In the next five months, none of us can do anything now to get saved because we're already down. So why would we be under judgment then? So are, I, are they still waiting to judge us? Have we been judged? Nah. No, he said, no, we've been judged. That's why he okay. doesn't need to do the campaign anymore. But somehow, um, however, he's decided now that it works, which is completely different from what he was saying, although it fits exactly what I said last podcast, in that when it doesn't happen, he will work it into a bigger picture saying, okay, something significant did happen, but the real thing is going to happen later on. 
Yeah, I predicted that last podcast, and that's exactly what he's saying, and I think that's why he had it set up at the October 21st date. It's like, okay, I have a five-month leeway now, where, you know, in five months is when the real thing will happen. So if it doesn't happen May 21st, I can say it'll happen five months from now and have this gap. So here, here's – now, but here's the thing. All these predictions, uh, this month alone, there was Camping's prediction of an apocalypse – uh, the world was also – or I guess just Taiwan was supposed to end on May 11th, 2011. A Taiwanese prophet calling himself Professor Wang predicted a, a – that Taiwan – can't make this shit up. Can uh, you? No. <laughs> Taiwan would, ex- would, would be destroyed in a 14.0 earthquake, triggering a tsunami, tsunami that would kill millions. So I don't know if that's really a uh, – um, a doomsday prediction or not, but certainly it's a, it's a disaster prediction. On May 29th, this one didn't happen either. Um, Marilyn Aggie, Aggie um, has been at it continually throughout the last couple of decades. After countless failed predictions over the years, she has set yet another date for rapture, and that was May 29th, 2011. Um, the next, the next apocalypse. Is so, of course wait, Gerald the, Camping. The world ended yesterday as well. Yeah, so there was one. The world is supposed to have ended yesterday as well, according to uh, Marilyn Aggie. A G E E Aggie. I don't know. Um, and then, so of course, the next one is October twenty first. Um, there, there's another. That's Harold Camping's next rapture. There's another one in December thirty first. Uh, there's a rapture scheduled for 2012, and of course, uh, do we, you know, 2020, we have the Mayans that are going to destroy the Earth, and uh, I think that's September, and then in December, there's another um, doomsday prediction, and there's another one, uh, December, uh, so there's one on December 21st, 2012, and December 23rd, 2012, so, yeah, oh, that, okay, that's the Mayan endpoint, is December 23rd, 2012. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. You can't. There's no reason to make this stuff up. Somebody's already done it. <laughs> yeah. Well, my problem with people like Harold Camping and you, you kind of disagreed with me when we talked about this yesterday. But I think they are very egotistical and very full of themselves. Whatever he claims, you know, he's saying saying he's you know he he thinks he's important. He really does. He I, I honestly believe that. I look at what he says. I look at how he presents himself. He thinks he is important. That his lifetime is the one that matters. And I, I was telling you, I think the reason he's pushing this so much is he's 89 years old. He knows he doesn't have much longer left. He wants this to happen because if it doesn't happen while he's alive, then he's not as important as he thinks he is. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, that that may be the case. Aware of that. I don't know. I, you know, it, it, to me, anyone who makes a doomsday prophecy like this one has to have a huge ego and be so self-important because I'll, go, claiming- I'll, I'll, I'll take you a step further there, Ian. I think anybody who has a religion in which they believe that there is an almighty God that created the entire universe and gives a shit about them has a huge ego problem. <laughs> well, okay. and, it, and it is absolutely the basis of every single religion. Without fail, without mm-hmm. fail, it's, that's what the entire thing is about. All these, and and it's it's the worst, in my opinion, when they get all you know. Oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy, and they try to self-deprecate about it when all they truly are doing is having it all be about them. And that's yeah. why, I mean, all to right. exactly your point, these end of the world prophecies are not new. Every generation has, you know, has had its members who thought it was going to be their generation, and quite frankly, who hope for it. Because oh, to your point, yeah. it, it, it proves I'm the important one. I was here for the end times. And yeah, they, they die disappointed. It's it's really sick just what kind of a death cult they really are across the board. 
And camping uh, is just a more a more obvious example of it. Right. Right. Well, I was being too generous, I guess. You know, I was really trying to give them the benefit of the doubt that that's just what they read and that's what they see. But, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ian, go ahead. So the next part is actually a bit more personal to me in um, – there and the, this church is still active today, but a church started by Hubert W. Armstrong called the Universal Church of God. Apparently, back in 1956, he wrote a um, book called the 1975 In Prophecy, and the um, theory was due to technology at the rate it was increasing, everything else that just showed that the world was going to come to an end in 1975. Now, the reason this is personal to me is my biological father actually believed in this. He um, believed that this is how it would happen, that um, in apparently 1972 would be the beginnings of it. And um, the, the true, well, supposedly what was going to happen is the true believers would be taken by God and separated from everyone else. And then everyone else would have to go through um, so much um, you know, the, I guess the three years had something to do with being on Earth and going through suffering there. Then they actually would be ruled over for a thousand years, or no, it, it gets into a lot of this stuff. And my apparently my biological father really believed in this stuff. He dedicated his whole life to this church and these prophecies that um, the world would basically come to an end, and he because he was in the right group, that he'd be part of this group that would oversee the rest of humanity and get them um, saved in the end. And, th th of course, that's part of this belief, is that everyone had the potential of being saved. They just needed to go through some suffering to learn how great God was. And in the aftermath of this, it really messed up my dad's life. He wasn't able to pull himself together, and it did lead to my parents' divorce indirectly, because he couldn't get his life back on track after this. And it was a big part in, you know, why my parents separated is because my father believed in this nonsense. And so, you know, I can honestly attest it does mess up family and it does leave people scarred for life when they really get too close into this. And like I said, this church is still active. I mean, you know, the guy made these predictions and guess what? It didn't hurt him in the end. Okay. Things didn't go the way he predicted, but... You know, he kept on going till he died in um, 1986. Well, one of the decade. Yeah, one of the articles I put in here talked about how these failed predictions um, will actually create, will actually cause people to believe even stronger. Yeah, and it's it's a it's it's called cognitive dissonance. And I was going to do a little bit more uh, research on on that particular phenomenon, but basically, yeah, the, these people when they don't have it, it kind of um, they lose some people, right? But the the people that stay kind of consolidate and the, and they become even more um, concentrated, and you know, and and this is a very common phenomenon of what you're talking about. So yeah, so I'm not surprised that that church is still around. And, I thought know, the article you put in there about this cognitive dissonance is, is absolutely fascinating. Yeah. Um, because it really does kind of suggest, you know, what what it's really all about. And and I've I've had this on my own personal theory and not many people agree with me that the recent uptick in fundamentalism and fanaticism out there is the death throes of religion. And some of that is my own just, you know, I like this. I, I, I love to thinking? contemplate the idea. Yeah, wishful thinking and all of that. Um, but, um, you know, it, this really talks about that kind of idea. I, I find it, it's got to be really difficult for anybody who's a true believer these days in the light of science 
to continue to believe this stuff without their brain exploding. But the problem, and I think we're yeah. really seeing this cognitive dissonance effect of the the more impossible the thing you hold true becomes. If you have too much pride and self-identity wrapped up in it, all you do is yell louder. And I think – I totally think that's what we're seeing these yeah. days. Well, I think we see this a lot with even fundamentalism that that a lot of people have left these fundamentalist church. So the people that stay in them become even more concentrated mm-hmm. and, and, and even more vocal because they got to try to bring people back. And we see a lot of scare tactics like what Harold Camping is doing to try and increase following and and, mm-hmm. and it's – uh, to me, it's, a, it's an inappropriate way to do it. But we've also seen that in the face of you know rationality and and the evidence that people will, will just out flat out reject the evidence. You cannot change somebody's mind with evidence, and and that is kind of scary. I mean, I, 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 I that's kind of what our whole purpose is too. You know, is that looking mm-hmm. at the evidence. You know, if I were to give Kim evidence for something that was pretty concrete and I could show you know how many different ways that they came back to each other, she would probably believe me. But my mother would not. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and it comes back to that whole thing of, um, you know, and stuff like the IIG is exactly this. We want the evidence. If you can have a repeatable process and we can believe something more in the world than we believe now, awesome. Bring it on. Yeah. We're, as a, but I think, again, a lot of that comes from that humility that we were just talking mm-hmm. about with belief systems. If you are humble enough to, to, to be able to stand up to the world and say, I believe this with all my heart and soul and I was wrong. I think that takes a lot, and I think there's a lot. What we're seeing is a lot of people incapable of that kind of of um, what's the word? Just admitting it, humility, just, just stoning well, up and saying it. Yeah. yeah. And right now, we're a society with you know with the internet, with the TV the way it is. You know, you have Penn and Teller's bullshit, you have Mythbusters, you have Snoops.com, you have all these things out there that are people saying, "Hey, listen, we're going to take a look at the myths, we're going to take a look at the rumors, we're going to take a look at these ideas, and we're going to break them down and show the truth." Whether you like it or not, we're going to put it right there for you. You can have access to it. Reality is right there. You know, it's harder to escape nowadays, but there's still people who will be in denial of it no matter how many things sit there and say, hey, listen, this is the evidence. This is the facts. You can't escape it. All they do is, you know, ignore it. Well, Instead. it's even worse than that. Um, I, I listened to a, a couple of um, Bible podcasts. One of them is called Straight Talk. And they, they've had a, um, a guy on, they've been doing a special here lately where they've been talking to this guy. Um, he, he wrote a book, Is God a Moral Monster? And in this last episode, they, they showed just the lack, I, and it's like, dude, I don't, well, the lack of understanding of how science works. And the things that they, that they said are just, are, are just flat out wrong. But did they use these arguments to, to, to make their case, and they, they misrepresent what the facts are to come back to their conclusion. Um, one of the things that they, that they said, um, we, uh, Michael Schumer and some of these and other biologists, you know, they talk about how um, we have certain beliefs that, that we've come to believe that aren't true that had a certain survival benefit to them, and I think that religion is probably one of them. And they're saying, well, if that's the case, that, that we have evolved to believe untrue things, then it concludes that if the, if the atheists and secularists are right and, and evolution is right, that it's only by pure chance that they're right because we've evolved to believe untrue things. And I was just floored by that because it's 
it's clear either they don't understand or they're purposely misrepresenting the fact that yes we've a, we we can know what truth is because we have data points that show us this but what what the evolutionists are saying is that we can't always believe what we see and what our mind puts together that we have to look at the data underlying it to see if that's true or not but they totally left that piece out and they went and they just like to make this argument that we believe untrue things so if the atheists write it's pure chance because you know we've evolved to believe untrue things it's like wow is that some circular reason for you or what yeah hmm? it's amazing <laughs> so yeah so if you if you really want to and i do this to myself it's sadomasochism but i listen to bible podcasts and pro paranormal podcasts and stuff like that to hear what they're saying you know yeah yeah so but and 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 this i mean they and the thing is is that these guys on straight talk are very smart guys they you could not you could not sit back and just say well that they're just stupid because they're not they're very smart guys it's that is hard for me to to come to terms with um you know i i live a life in which i simply do not invite people in who i consider too stupid to talk to and you know basically if they're um really big into religion they generally fall into that category and and i'm you know as guilty as anybody else of of making some snap judgments that may or not be true it's just so impossible for me though to believe that somebody of good rational thinking ability could come to these conclusions yeah you know it it feels like something's got to be broken there and uh i i just don't know i i I really wonder um you know at the ability for people to compartmentalize and i hear i hear that all the time when when they talk about um theist scientists um you know they they do compartmentalize it somehow like you know uh, during the day while they're working in you know this physics experiment or whatever they're a scientist and when they're in church on sunday they're they're enjoying that part of it and and somehow those two don't collide but i I don't i don't understand how they don't i I don't my mind doesn't work that way yeah i i don't either but I think you know the one point that I would come back to that you said is that if the people who believe in religion are stupid, and I know that that's not exactly what you're saying, but you, but and I do it's this worse. too. I, I do this. Too. <laughs> okay, it's okay. So is, is that is that fair to say? But the problem is, is that they're not all stupid, right? You know, I mean, um, God, uh, William Lane Craig, not a stupid man. Stupid arguments, not a stupid man. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I, I I find these things difficult to listen to, particularly when I know that they're misrepresenting the facts and the science to make their point. But we see it all the time. It's it's cognitive diff- dissidence, you know, where where they can they separate themselves from it. And but what scares me is like, well, am I doing that? Am I missing something? Oh, yeah. Right. But at least I can come back and question it and re and reevaluate and say, boy, am I looking at this wrong? You also right. want to be aware if you're doing that. Some of these people that are really doing it, really into it, they don't want to be aware because they don't want to admit they're doing something like that. While most of – despite all the skeptics are probably sitting here like, I want to catch myself if I'm doing that because I want to make sure I don't go that direction. Yeah. Right. When I read that article about the cognitive dissonance, and you know, I, I am so strident about this in my life, and I really do feel like atheism is really important, and, and getting this skeptical message out to the world um, and stuff is, is, is kind of 
what I really want to do. I think it's an important thing, and I'm strident about it. And I'm reading this article about how people get louder and louder the less sure they are of it. And I'm like, oh my, is that me? <laughs> yeah, am right? I am I having this feeling of I I'm not confident in what I believe in, and therefore my voice is getting louder, and I'm making more fun of these people. And um, you know, is my entire reason for being so fired up about this topic a reflection on my own? lack of confidence in it you yeah. know yeah. um I, I i i just love that whole idea and i don't i don't know i can't answer that i guess because i'm probably too close to the subject but but um, it comes back to knowing that we can all be fooled we could all be wrong and i i, I know i could be wrong but the problem is is that when i'm wrong will i see it Right. You know, hopefully I have That's people true. around me that when that when they see me making a mistake, will call me on it. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, and hopefully <laughs> there'll be somebody that I'll listen to. You know, if a priest is comes out and says, hey, listen, man, you're wrong. You're really missing this whole thing about Jesus. But can I hear that? Right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's it really is fascinating. And I, I've always said I really feel bad for people like. Uh, you know, like if I see somebody, say, in a really bad relationship or whatever, where I'm like, wow, do, do they know? Like, do they have any outside counsel of, of someone they can trust who, who cares enough to have that difficult conversation to say, I see what you're going through and, you know, I think you need a change. Because um, that takes a lot of guts, I think, to, to say that to somebody. But I really worry that most people do kind of live in this little bubble where nobody – everyone feels like you know the, the right thing to do is to allow that person to live however they choose. And while I do believe in that, I also feel really bad for people who have nobody to – like you're just saying, you know, point out the, uh, hey, Brian, uh, you went a little deep end here. <laughs> let's 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 circle the wagons back here. You know? Right. Well, and that's a tough one because, I, I, you know, you're saying, like you say, you know, they're living in a bubble. I worry about living in a bubble. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to live in a bubble. That 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 I'm trying my hardest to try and get out of the bubble. But am I trying so hard that I I'm ending back up back in the bubble? Right. But I think that's one right. of the big difference between skeptics and believers. Skeptics are going to be more worried about, am I putting myself in a bubble? While believers find comfort in not worrying that they're in a bubble. Sure. Yeah, I think that's it, a good It does point. seem to be a whole mindset kind of thing. Again, that, that humility of, um, can I be wrong? You know, am I willing to be wrong in a situation? Um, it's, it's clearly not atheists and skeptics, the exclusive realm of atheists. Um, but I think the people who are quote unquote, and I know this is very loaded, doing it right, should have that mentality in common. Don't you think? Yeah. You know, the other thing I think that we do, um, and I think we do this on this podcast a lot, is that we end up talking about the vocal minority. We're talking about, we're not talking about the average person. We, we end up talking a lot about the the vocal people who we disagree with and mm. and the you know the the majority are probably not as polarized as we are and and the people we're talking about there's the people in the middle you know yeah you know they might not be falling for this stuff as much as you know we, we seem to see it because i think that we we're, we're kind of we, we see this a lot we see people believing stupid shit all the time and so it's it's easy to, to to look at that and say, boy, that's everybody else. But and and we're trying to help them, but it may not be everybody else. We're just looking at a, at a, a hopefully a minority of stupidity. 
Yeah. No, I, 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 I hear what you're saying. I mean, we, we do take the extreme examples. They're the ones that are um, are making the news. That's what people are writing about because that's just kind of the way journalism is, and that's the evidence we have but, in, in front of us. Right. Those are also the people you need to be very um, aware of and very cautious about because they're the ones that, if people start following, will destroy lives due to getting so into it. But they're also so the people who – logic yeah. saying, yeah, you know, let, let's talk about them. Let's make sure people are aware of them. Let's let, let's try and give people a level of protection against them. But they're also the people whose minds we cannot change. Yeah. And you feel like, yeah, a lot of times uh, – I know I I certainly get to the point where I'm just like, you know what? Let them go. Like, you know, um, another one of the big arguments or, or discussion points in the, the atheist skeptic community is how you approach people. You know, this idea that making fun of people is never going to convince anybody. And I'm kind of of the opinion a lot of times of, one, it doesn't matter because to your point, we're never converting these people. They're never coming over to the side of logic. That is a lost race. Don't bother doing it. So you might as well have some fun at their expense. They're lost, <laughs> right? Right. Um, and that's and it's really cruel sounding, but it's you know it's it's kind of whatever. But then I look at like family members. My sister has never spent more than four minutes thinking about this kind of stuff. The stuff that intrigues me for hours at end. I, but I'm a I'm a navel gazer by by nature. You know that's how I was born. I got a philosophy degree in it because I love this kind of stuff. My sister would never give a moment's thought to any of this crap. <laughs> right. And see, and the, there's probably a lot of people out there. You know, I think that there that there's a lot of people who are out there like you know it's like are you a Christian? Sure, whatever. I'm a Christian. <laughs> I think that there's a lot of that going on. You know, and there's people like my sister who she she doesn't want to call herself an atheist because she doesn't want to put herself in any sort of classification she doesn't believe in god she she would go with naturalism maybe but she doesn't want to call herself an atheist um and she just doesn't want to have these discussions she doesn't care you know and and you know she's she she's like you know i used to be where you were you don't want to go out and fight these people but i just don't care anymore (laughs) okay Yeah. And again, again, it comes back to that article um, that I found so intriguing. I was like, well, do do I do I care? And am I so vocal because I'm so am I am I is there a part of me that's doubting it? And that's got my vocal up. You know, again, it just keeps coming back to asking those questions. And I guess as long as you're asking the questions, you're probably in a better state than, you know, if you're. If you just dismiss so. it entirely and like, no, that's not me. I have, I'm right. Yeah, I have doubt occasionally. You know, it's like I, you know, you always kind of wonder uh, what, what if they're right? What if yeah. there is a God? What if this Judeo-Christian God is right and there is a heaven and I'm going to spend my life in torment after I die, my the rest of my existence in torment? I should say. Not well, if that's true, they've made some mistakes in how they portray God in the Bible, depending on which you want to believe, but. We can get the whole theoretical thing of how God cannot be both omnipotent and all loving if He's going to send anyone to hell. But yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, there's a contradiction there, and certainly the the explanation that I've gotten for that is well, that's the Old Testament God versus the New Testament God. Well, it, it's still the same God, right? <laughs> well, if on what you look day at the is. two books, he definitely went through a personality change between them, but. Yeah, I don't know. This this week I or last week I read Deuteronomy, and I'll tell you what—that is a difficult. You book. really are into this whole state of uh, I know, I right? Am I? I'm listening to. Get to yeah, I know. I'm I'm terrible. I, I just Brian, I'm worried about you. We need to talk. Do, do we need to talk? <laughs> do an intervention. <laughs> I read Deuteronomy, okay, and I plan to read the whole damn Bible. 
Hi, I'm Brian. I read Deuteronomy. Hi, right. Brian. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Uh, I know, but you know that that's a difficult book to get through, and it's it's just terrible what it has to say about people. You know, um, I, I I did learn a lot about you know it, you know being unclean. I, I learned a lot about being unclean, and I am pretty much unclean according to the, according to Deuteronomy, being mainly because I like pork. Um, <laughs> And uh, and I could get leprosy because I'm unclean. I think I, I I'm scared to death. Is that the one that says a bastard um, is damned to hell and that for like the next ten generations as well? I think I think that is Deuteronomy. It, it, if not, it's Leviticus. Which, which I always loved that one because you yeah. read it, it's like wait a minute. So the the child is guilty of the sins of the parents. The parents themselves can actually get away with it, but the <laughs> child's the one that's in trouble. And next ten generations are in trouble as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, I, I also learned from reading Deuteronomy that I can put a price on the value of my children. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. that it's it's clear that there is. And there you have all is daughters, a, so you know, you you can. I I end up with sons, so there's a whole different thing with sons. But you had all daughters, so legitimately, you know, you had three properties. Right, I have three I have properties. Two sons. Yes. Yes. But as children, they're still property, and so if you if you want to sell them, you can. And there's a price in the Bible for them. Once they become of age, your daughters are still going to be property, right. while my sons are actually going to be individuals. Right. How do you think that's going to go over when I tell them that? <laughs> <laughs> ah. All right. Well, I need to get running here anyway, so. Uh, well, thank you for talking to us. Hey. No problem. All right. It's always fun. All right. Good night. All right. Good night, guys. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. For more information about the Amateur Skeptics, go to AmateurSkeptics.com. To send us feedback, suggestions, or big flaming insults, feel free to contact us at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. Other contact information can be found on our website. You can leave a voicemail for the Amateur Skeptics Podcast at 720-295-7785. Music for this podcast was provided by OFM. To find out more about OFM, go to mindspace.com forward slash OFMHQ. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons No Derivatives 3.5 license. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. Yeah.